the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you and welcome back. Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. You never know how you're going to get to where we get to. Uh, and some people will call and say, I'm sorry if this is off topic. The, re- the, the reason I always disagree with them is nothing is off topic. Uh, everything leads to uh, one big thing here, which is the um, preservation and growth of America and Americans freedom and opportunity. And we get there a lot of different ways. So we had a caller, Bob in Phoenix, based on some other discussions we had earlier in the day, who heard me say something about uh, Goldwater and something about conservatism and uh, Reagan and Trump. Bob, I'm going to ask if you are still with us to ref- uh, to, to I'm going I'm to try and restate your question. And if it's unfair, you tell me and then I'll commence answering it. OK, as I understood okay. your question, you said um, put it somewhat this way. Can you explain how we go from Goldwater to Reagan to Trump in what they have in common, even though you think Trump isn't necessarily a conservative. Is that somewhat close? Yeah, that's that's close. I'm just wondering where the where the, the conservative Republican Party is going and okay. where they've been. Okay, so, good. Um, but yeah, it all falls into the same All position. right, let me, let me say a few words on it, and you can feel free to respond when I'm done. Because I've spent about 30 years of my life working on this, and as I said, I co-authored a book on this as well, American Greatness. Um, First of all, let's start with William Buckley, who made a distinction between someone who is conservative and someone who is a conservative. Um, Donald Trump would be an example, probably Buckley wasn't alive for his presidency, but it would be an example of someone who is conservative but is not a conservative. A conservative is someone like a Goldwater, someone like a Reagan, someone who – intuitively um, and intellectually um, grasps the modern conservative movement and wants to apply it. Trump is probably less studied in the sense of Goldwater and Reagan, but was conservative in the sense of, of, of how he governed and who he surrounded himself with, which were good conservatives. You look at his judicial picks, in some respects, they might have been better than Reagan's, probably were, in, in hindsight. Also had more of a, more, more of a, more of a menu to pick from uh, than Reagan uh, for other reasons. But the modern conservative movement began with William Buckley in 1955 and the advent of National Review magazine. And National Review magazine's first issue uh, put out what they would call a creed or a credenda, as they called it. And it had four points to it, okay? First, the growth of government must be fought relentlessly. Second, the century's most blatant force of satanic utopianism is communism. We consider coexistence with communism neither desirable nor possible nor honorable. We find ourselves irrevocably at war with communism and shall oppose any substitute for victory. Three, 
The largest cultural menace in America is the conformity of the intellectual cliques, which in education as well as the arts are out to impose upon the nation their fads and fallacies and have nearly succeeded in doing so. And then finally, no superstition has more effectively bewitched America's liberal elite than the fashionable concepts of world government, the United Nations, internationalism, international atomic pools, etc., so that's what the modern conservative magazine move, movement and magazine National Review was founded on, those four points. One might add something that was later known to a couple uh, – about five years later known as the Sharon Statement. The Sharon Statement is named after the house uh, – the city, the house of which Bill, Bill Buckley lived in which was in Sharon, Connecticut. And the Sharon Statement was the founding uh, document of the Young Americans for Freedom movement. And it had five points, very closely related to those four. One, individual freedom and the right of governing originate with God. Two, political freedom is impossible without economic freedom. Three, limited government and strict interpretation of the Constitution. Four, the free market system is preferable over all others. Five, communism must be defeated, not contained. Now, it's my thesis, Bob, or my belief that there is nothing in the Sharon Statement or nothing in the credenda of the first issue of National Review that Donald Trump disagreed with, with the one exception being um, uh, you would might maybe want to add um, uh, perhaps radical Islam or ISIS to the threat of communism. But when you think about China, especially in the latter years of his administration, you can see that the coexistence with communism or that the idea that communism must be defeated, not contained, played high in Donald Trump's mind. But think about those credenda from National Review. The growth of government must be fought relentlessly, okay? Eliminating of re- elimination of regulations uh, and cutting taxes. Uh, we did the communist thing. Uh, three, the cultural menace in America, the conformity of intellectual cliques which in education as well as the arts are out to impose upon their nation their modest fads. Sure, you get the 1776 Commission, you get the executive order to deprive funds to, um, to, uh, to, uh, to colleges and universities that don't respect free speech. And then, of course, no superstition has more effectively bewitched America's liberal elite than world government. And that has to do with international institutions, NATO, World Health Organization, you name it. So I don't see any real disconnect between the origins of the intellectual modern conservative movement as represented by William Buckley, Barry Goldwater, and Ronald Reagan as divergent from anything Donald Trump did as president. In fact, it seems to me he was continuous with the Reagan-Goldwater-Buckley line of conservative thought and governance. I think Bush's and Nixon and Ford were the outliers and the exceptions to what we conservatives thought was Goldwater and Buckley conservatism. How's that for a nutshell? <laughs> uh, I can't believe that's the most comprehensive answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I served one up over the rim and you took it home. Well, I've been preparing for that question for 30 years, <laughs> sir. <laughs> okay. No, um, just real quickly, um, the, the only, I have only one major problem sure. with, with uh, Donald Trump sure. is that he— he didn't cut spending. I think right. spending is a big issue. Right. And so as a conservative, I think that's very disappointing. Um, but looking forward, um, I think the conservative movement, and I'd be curious what you think they need to do, but my thing is they got two big obstacles. 
One of them is the media, no doubt about that, okay? The other one is I think this country has gotten to the point where, you know, conservatives are, are for less government. Um, a lot of the people in this country want, it, it, opposite of what uh, John F. Kennedy said, they want, what can the country do for me, not what I can do for the country? <laughs> so I think they've got it all backwards. And we have got it all backwards. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a different country. It's a different right. country, and it didn't. So how do we and, turn it around? Well, it took me. Around? It took me the coronavirus to understand that it's a different country. I didn't. I would have never guessed. I would have never predicted that when the something like coronavirus came to us, we would in 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 nineteen years basically move from an ethic of let's roll to let's roll up in a ball and hide under our beds. I, I, it's I a different yeah. country than the martial virtues and uh, martial attitudes that you got from the Kennedys and that you got what the Ted's and Roberts, any, excuse me, the Johns and Roberts anyways, not the Ted perhaps so much, uh, that you got from John F. Kennedy, um, that you got from Roosevelt. Now, there is a distinction, by the way, that you know this is all not not everyone is the same and not everyone had the same view there is a distinction between goldwater and reagan that's worth pointing out that gets to your point about spending as well bob goldwater went after the new deal of roosevelt's reagan and of course there was no great society and when goldwater was running for president the great society came after 1964 reagan did not go after the New Deal. He went after the Great Society of Lyndon Johnson's. Reagan went to things like welfare reform and affirmative action. He did not touch things like Social Security that Barry Goldwater wanted to. There was a difference there between those two, um, which gets you to some of the spending issues because you're right. Conservatives generally want to curtail government spending, not because... We hate government and not because we hate spending. It's because we hate government spending because we think individual spending is far more effective and is far more um, not only uh, judicious but charitable and that people should have a right to keep and spend as they see fit, not as a bureaucratic elite sees fit. So where do we go from here? I think it's easy. I really do. Um, easy to say, maybe harder to do. I think it's easy. I think we have to go back to these fundamental basics and learn that Donald Trump, let me say something controversial. Donald Trump showed us how to win and he showed us how to lose. And I'm happy to talk more about all that too. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I saw Jerry was on the line, and I wanted to go to him. He dropped off. Jerry, feel free to call back. Let me go to Lance in Phoenix. Hi, Lance. Hey, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Doing well. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, uh, as I was telling your screener, there's a kind of a form of, of potential voter fraud or voter manipulation uh, that ha I really haven't heard discussed. You know, you have your kind of your organic voter fraud. You know, my grandfather passed away. I took his ballot. I signed it for him. I sent it in. Or, you know, I go to a nursing home, uh, you know, I pay 50 bucks a pop, get a vote, right, that organic voter fraud. But uh, I have some friends and family that actually work in a couple of election departments around 
around the union. And um, I was actually just inquiring, you know, how would one commit fraud on the back end? And one one thing of how you would do it is uh, surely, uh, you know, the election de- department, the, the actual printing of the ballot, uh, they just send that out to a third party. So say you send the double order uh, and you accidentally, you know, uh, print 10,000, 20,000 extra ballots. And uh, from, from some people I was telling, talking to, every ballot has its own individual number, but there's no mechanism to make sure that there's not a duplicate ballot out there. So, in theory, someone could just print 30,000, 50,000 extra ballots, which we see what just 11,000 ballots could do in Arizona. Uh, you print 11,000 or 20,000 extra ballots, you fill them out, and then you just have them in duffel bags or suitcases. You bring them in because, you know, they verify the signature, and then all the ballots just get put in a, bun- in a, in a pile. If you just conveniently drop 20,000 extra ballots in a pile for someone to start, you know, the counting process, then all you would need to do is go into the computer, find out, find the 20,000 people who did not get logged in as sending their ballot back, and then just move them from one column of not voting to another column of voting. So this is kind of what I would call um, systemic voter fraud, where you really wouldn't need probably more than two or three people to print a few thousand extra ballots, get sneak them in to where the votes are being counted, bypass where they're being uh, signature verified, dump them in the pile, uh, and then just in the middle of night, like we saw in Michigan and other places where they just randomly stopped counting at – one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, you just find out whoever um, whoever's on the log of not having voted. You just click a couple buttons, and then boom, thirty thousand more people voted uh, to make sure your ballots received, quote quote, and your ballots counted, quote quote, are the same number. Uh, and it wouldn't take more than one or two people printing, dropping off, and changing some data in a computer. Lance, would in-person with voter ID voting change or fix or solve that problem? I, <laughs> it would help with that organic voter fraud of, of just, you know, cash for votes or, you know, finding my deceased grandfather's ballot. But no, it wouldn't help on the back end uh, where... Well, wouldn't it help in the sense, ballot. though, if I, if I can't... If there's no unsolicited mail-in voting, so I have to show up to vote oh, and I have to prove no, who I am, right? Yes, if there's that's no what I meant when I meant in person. Yeah, in person uh, or physical in-person voting with voter ID should solve that, shouldn't it? Should that should solve it? Um, but you just kind of don't know because you know they're they're counting those people one way or the other, whether they sent in the ballots or not, or they voted in person. Someone with a, an admin access to the computer of who voted and who didn't all you because someone's logging in that these people voted yeah so it wouldn't someone can just say thirty thousand more people voted that didn't all right so then how do you solve that well this is where i think uh you know president trump brought trouble on himself where normally you know we have a duopoly in our politics only republicans or only democrats can win office because they make the rules of how many signatures you need to have on the ballot. You know, the presidential debate committee run by Republicans and Democrats, 
you know, if you recall, they said you have to pull 10 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third party. Yeah, I know. Ron Paul right. pulled, and then right. well, now it's 15. So it's so at least. This is know, what kept the, Tulsi Gabbard out of the Democratic Party debates, that kind of attitude. Right. Exactly. Right. So at least in a duopoly, the thirst for power between Republicans and Democrats, at least they can, you know, in the background, the Republicans are going to make sure the Democrats aren't doing this to them and vice versa. Well, Mr. Trump <clears throat> kind of made everyone mad. The, you know, you really think Mitch McConnell or, or uh, Mitt Romney – are crying their crocodile tears that they lost, that they don't have to deal with Trump. No, so but really, I think Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm just saying is, if you only need three to five people in an entire state to do what I'm suggesting is possible, uh, I guarantee you there's a few never-Trumpers or people who would, Republicans and Democrats, who party party people, uh, that would be more than happy to see Trump go down the river on his own. Mm-hmm. No, I <laughs> get it. Would cl- so, so that's usually the duopoly between Republicans and Democrats would help keep this in check. Um, but because Trump angered. Yeah. So, parties. so in, so in a way your point is in a way, I mean, you have several points, but one of them, this last one, if I understand you right, it's that, um, there was no self-doubt in the Democratic Party. There was a lot of self-doubt in the Republican Party. Yes. Okay. That, that there's plenty of Republican, right. par- not Republicans, but the Republican Party. I understand what you mean. Yeah, sure, sure. That would turn a blind eye. Right. And they would rather see yeah. uh, an old Joe than an American. Yes, I know. Uh, you're not wrong. Mona Charon wrote a column on it yesterday we went through. You're not wrong about and, that, you know, Lance. So, so they do keep each other, I think, in balance, or in checks and balance because of both sides' thirst for power. Uh, but when you're talking about a $4.3 trillion federal budget, uh, and that money's got to go be stolen, I mean, spent by someone yep. <laughs> somewhere. Yep. Uh, pe- you know, people get killed yep. for 50 bucks. Yep. Imagine yep. what people would pair do. pair of sneakers, you bet. What, what would, uh, what would what they would, do for a fourth you know, of the federal budget, or a fifth, or a tenth, yes. or a twentieth, or a hundredth? Contr- yeah. And power. Right, yeah. right, right. So that's where being devious and... and and you saw the margins were so small right. in Georgia, right. Arizona, right. Wisconsin. Shifting 40,000 votes made all the difference. Yep. And there's no way, to, unless we like, uh, like I said, the people I know, unless you manually went through and saw that each vote. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it'll never be. Re- this, this question will never be resolved. The task is to ensure it doesn't happen again. That's the task. And it's going to be people like you and my caller two callers ago talking to um, your state reps about how to, how to prevent it because it's, uh, it's, it's way beyond my ability to comprehend. But with people like you knowing about it, please do something about it. We'll be right back. Little Bellamy Brothers for you there on the Seth Leibson Show. If you uh, aren't taking balance of nature, i got to tell you, I just think it is the best thing I've ever taken or promoted. And I am delighted that portions of this show are brought to you by balance of nature. It is, um, I think it's the, the single best, most effective whole food supplement on the market. You take 
your capsules once a day, and you get tens of thousands of vital nutrients. Boosts your immunity, your energy, your health. Potent, powerful stuff from apples to pineapple, from garlic to wheatgrass and spinach and cayenne and kale. It's just fantastic. One daily dose gives you 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. How many people even get one serving of fruits and vegetables a day? You get 10 with one daily dose of balance of nature. And they have a great deal. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Lad is in surprise. Hello, Lad. Hey, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey. What's Lad short right. for? Is it short for something? No, it's just a, it's a, a Welch name. Just Lad. Okay, good. Yeah. Great. It, it, but um, I got a question. I've, I tried to ask people, and I can't get an answer for it. But I did some research into the minimum wage, and I found that there are about 57 million people in the United States who are on Social Security. And so I researched a little further and found that there's only about 1 million people at the minimum wage, even though there's about 26 million that are under $15 an hour. Yeah, so I, I think it's around 900,000 is the last I saw. But, yeah, we're in the same neighborhood. Okay, so I took the, I took the uh, median income of a Social Security recipient and divided it by 2080, which is a work year. There's 52 weeks times 40 is 2080 and divided it into that. And the average, average Social Security recipient gets under 8 bucks an hour if you figure it on an average. Interesting point you're making. Go ahead. So this is happens, fascinating to me. Happens, yeah, what happens to the, social, the 57 million Social Security recipients in this country when they raise the minimum wage to $15 yep. and they're all left at 8 dollars an hour and jacking up prices and prices will go up with coincident to the minimum wage too by the way the cost of living will go up for those who's for those who are literally on a fixed income social security right that's the definition so that price that income stays the same as prices jack up okay i'm with you right and and, uh, just in surprise here since biden was elected gas has gone up 30 cents a gallon i saw that happened here too yeah well, and, and what people don't realize is that in this country, almost everything is shipped by truck. So when you raise the price of fuel, carrot, or, or uh, diesel and gasoline, yep. you bet. the price of food, everything, everything you buy is going to go up. Everything, I, you bet. I, I don't, and I don't, how are these people on, on, on Social Security going to be able to feed, going to be able to buy anything? I think it's going to be harder, lad. I think it's going to be harder. And I think yeah, you're going to, you know, Pardon? I said, I think it's going to be impossible. No, I, I think you're onto something, and I've never thought of it in that context. And I am going to throw it to some experts I know, some eco- economic folks I know. I'm going to throw it to Steve Moore. Do you know Steve Moore? He's over at the Heritage oh, yeah. Foundation. Oh, yeah. I'm going to email Steve this uh, this point, this call, if I can, and get his take on it and, and report back to you, or get him as a guest to discuss it. Yeah, it's I would, a really. I I, you know what? I'm just going to book him as a guest to discuss it. It's a really good point, lad. I think, unless I, I, you and I are missing something, but it made perfect sense to me as you described it. Well, unless they raise the Social Security recipients to right. fifteen bucks an hour, right? <laughs> right. 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 I so, think. Uh, I think. I think you nailed something here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't ever heard anybody address that, and I no politician. So with 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 the minimum wage, we are punishing the elder to save the younger, 
And with COVID lockdowns, we are punishing the younger to save the elder. Well, from my perspective, I mean, Biden is going to be the biggest disaster this country's ever seen. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <laughs> you know, I, the other point I'd like to make is, is uh, they said that like 50 percent of the of the old people, the elderly people voted for Biden because they were afraid that he, he was going to do some tax that affect their Social Security. What do they think is going to happen to their Social Security when he lets 30 million illegals in here and puts them on Medicare and yeah. Medicaid? Oh, I know. I mean, I, oh, life is going people. to become much more expensive for Americans. Much more, lad. Much more. You're absolutely right. That was a good call. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Thank you for that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sorry about that. A little um, Alan O'Day for you. Here's Rob in surprise. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Did I hear correctly that there was an earlier song from the Rocky Horror Picture Show? You did. I did. Okay, I did. I, I thought maybe I would. And it's new to the rotation. You, um, yeah, no, that's fine. You are I, very observant, not... and it caused not a little friction between me and my producer. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> everybody's got different tastes. I and know, but I... not all of them are right. <laughs> well. You know, and again, I, I insist on you guys playing Buddy Rich's Keep the Customer Satisfied, but you keep going back to Paul Simons, and that's fine. You know, they got the great trumpets, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, anyway, um, the previous caller, Lad, I was a friend of a Lad who was an air wing mate of mine way back. I think he flew A6s uh, back in 30-odd years ago. He ended up being a commanding officer of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, when I was a foreign service officer in Cape Town, South Africa, and I had to arrange and work with him uh, to get uh, the Teddy Roosevelt the right anchorage and the right boats to, you know, a bunch of logistics stuff. And great guy. We're Facebook friends, and uh, he did rather well for himself. So I, I do know a lad. So I guess that was my point there. But, nice. Uh, yeah. Along those lines, as, as you probably know, you know, naval officers and Naval Academy grads like me, well, we've been inculcated, I guess, with a sense of, I don't know, personal honor and ethics and principles and all those things that seem to be in short supply these days. And as I was listening to, and I didn't watch because I didn't have to, there was enough uh, play with the whole impeachment proceedings. You know, my conclusion was that they're just making a complete parody uh, of our Republican system. They are also... Uh, exposing themselves as morally and ethically inferior people. And, of course, you know, a a couple of great examples, of course, are Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff. Um, I just don't understand how people cannot hold them to a higher standard uh, because they keep getting away with uh, existing on a low standard. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm in the God and country and and, uh, trying to understand why people apparently have uh, stopped believing in God and country. And also, um, I think that Americans, the real Americans, the heart and soul of America, uh, is against all of this. The whole impeachment, the election fraud, and I think they're all aware of what's going on, and I think they're all paying attention, um, which is a good thing. But I think they're also disheartened because 
again, the media comes out and, you know, shows the one side. And yes, yesterday the Trump lawyers didn't do such a great job. But um, in addition to that, um, I was in a discussion today with a Naval Academy classmate of mine. um, And it was interesting because he is on the opposite side of us. I hope it does. Um, and he was just basically repeating all the media talking points. Uh, so this is questions. our concern. This this is this is yeah. this is where you and I have our worries about um, are the Democrats exposing themselves or not? Because I think this bill of indictment, if you read it and if you listen to these impeachment managers making their case, mm-hmm. it is to criminalize. It is to illegalize conservative thought and speech. That's what's going on here. Um, To call what Trump said incitement to violence is to call the belief of many millions of Americans an incitement to violence. And and it's 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 nothing more than belief. And they are doing it through artifice and hypocrisy and lies. So, for example, one of the impeachment managers today, earlier this morning or earlier in the day, I don't remember if it was early afternoon or morning. He's a Colorado representative. Joe Neguse, I think his name is, maybe Neguse, but in any way, yeah. in any event, it's Neguse. He said, what was the thumbs up for? You do? What? Oh. Is that Bill? It is, but I can't okay. think of, in any event, <laughs> Mr. Helper over here. <laughs> I said... All I said was, I hope I'm saying it right, and Bill throws up two thumbs, and I'm thinking, oh, I got it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Joe Neguse, one of the impeachment (laughs) managers, said, no elected official in the Democratic Party has ever claimed an election was illegitimate. And I thought, my God, are you you kidding me? Are you Stacey Abrams? Yeah. Hillary Clinton, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, um, uh, Jimmy Carter. Now, here's where Bill can use Jamie Raskin. Here's, here is the lead impeachment manager from 2017. This is Jamin Raskin. What purpose is member right? Uh, I have an objection because 10 oh. of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified because they violated Florida's prohibition against dual debate office holding. Is, is out of order. Yeah, that's Jamin Raskin, Democrat from Maryland, lead impeachment manager to take out Donald Trump for questioning the legitimacy of an election in January of 2017, questioning the illegitimacy of the election of Donald Trump. This is where we are. Now, I don't know if most people will get this, Rob, but I hope they do. Well, I hope they do, too. And, and the thing with my classmate from the Naval Academy was um, he was talking about so far in this impeachment trial, 44 senators indicated they remain in the personality cult. And this personality cult, uh, and I wrote back, I said, yeah, a cult that believes in lower taxes, smaller government, less regulations, energy independence, secure borders, a strong national defense, Middle East peace, no new wars. Far less illegal immigration with the... Email me that list, Rob. I'll start the show with it tomorrow. Perfect. I love it. Email me that list. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, really good. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back.
I was going to end the show with an interesting quote by Barry Goldwater, but Rob worked fast, and I think it's worth taking taking home tonight, as Eddie Money would said, take me home tonight. Or was that Boston? Also Boston. Yeah. We've been told we're a cult. Okay. Who's the secret leader? I guess we won't know because it's a cult. Here's what we believe. Lower taxes, smaller government, less regulation, energy independence, secure borders, a strong national defense, Middle East peace, no new wars, less illegal immigration with the associated child smuggling, drug smuggling, and terrorist smuggling, a belief in the Constitution, reverting power from D.C. to the people. And yeah, that kind of cult supported by over 74 million people. Not bad that. Not bad that. Nothing to be ashamed of in that. Nothing to be ashamed of in that. And you know what's kind of interesting about it, too, when you think about it? Back to that great question from Bob earlier in the hour. What's kind of interesting about it is that represents the Trump presidency. It also represents the Reagan presidency. It also represents the Reagan presidency. And where it failed, it would have been aspirational in the Reagan presidency. And the only thing I would add to what Rob said, and he implies it, is a judiciary that reveres the Constitution. What's so wrong with that, I ask you? Think on that, Jamin Raskin. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Again, and class dismissed.